we're talking about the book of James in the New Testament and lots of good practical information in the book of James. You can read that book over and over and over and it's not hard to figure out. It's just really hard to live. But I will also say to you, you know, we're kind of in this time, not kind of, we're in a time of inflation. And for some of you, maybe inflation is good. But for most of us, we hate inflation. Inflation's bad. Prices are higher than they used to be. But let me tell you, tonight, inflation helped you. And you think, well, how in the world could it have helped me? Well, it's because I did not buy the illustration or the prop that I intended to buy for tonight for this lesson to go along with it because it was too expensive, at least for my taste. Years ago, I used it, what I was going to use with you tonight, I used it for a junior high class and for a high school class. And I had this box, and I borrowed this from someone, and some of you have probably used this. I had this box, and I said, what I have in this box tonight has caused every war that has ever happened on the face of the earth. What I have in this box has caused every divorce that has ever happened in any country, in any nation, is because of what's in this box. What I have in this box tonight has destroyed every friendship that was there and then the two divided. What is in this box has done that. And everybody thinks, well, what is in the box? What could it be? And so then you open the box and you pull out this cow tongue. And the tongue hangs over and you say, it's the tongue. It's, it's, it's our speech is what's done that. So matter of fact, let me tell you the story. First of all, whenever I used it ages and ages ago, I used it for the junior high class on, win on Wednesday night. And it was great, and they loved it, and it was fun. And then I took it back, and I put it in the freezer on, uh, for the rest of the week so I could use it when I taught the high school on Sunday morning. But I forgot until Sunday morning it was in the freezer, so I had to thaw it. And I had only like a few minutes to thaw it, so I had it on high, so I cooked it just a little bit. The high school kids did not get the point. They just kept saying, it stinks in here. <laughs> I had planned to use one of those for you tonight and bring it, and I was all excited about it. Knew I didn't need to get it until this afternoon. Went over to 99 Market, Ranch Market, knew they would have it, and they were $32. And so I decided it was not worth $32, okay? Because I was not going to eat it afterwards. I would have given it to you, but I was not going to eat a ton. I do not eat any, I do not taste anything that could taste me. So that's just my rule. So, tonight we're talking about for good or evil. And you already know we're talking about the tongue. And if you have your Bible tonight, our reading's a little bit long. But it's in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we will... We will, tum, uh, we, will, we will stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though they are very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pirate, of the pirate pilot directs. <laughs> pirate does work there, right? But pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts of great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue in the tongue is a fire. 
The tongue is a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, it sets the course of life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Well, that says a lot about the tongue, doesn't it? And it's obviously not literally saying your tongue, but it is talking about speech. And it's our speech that usually gets us into trouble, isn't it? Sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I wish that I had a frog's tongue. You know what a frog's tongue's like? It's really long, and you've probably seen the little kids' books that when a fly is out of your near, near a, a, a frog, it can stick its tongue out and pull it back in. There are times that when my words come out of my mouth, I wish I could just grab them back and put them back in my mouth. But it doesn't work that way, and they're already out there. So this passage is primarily about tongues and teachers. That picture is a little gross in itself. And so it is literally talking about teachers like in the church is what we would think about. If you were going to be a leader and be a teacher, then there is a judgment that goes along with that. I think about this every day because I do a whole lot of teaching. That when I am a teacher, that there is a judgment that goes that's obvious because other people are hearing what you say and they are taking what you, ta what you say and then living their life by that often, not always, but often. And so you have to be honest with the word. Sometimes it's really hard to be honest with the word. Sometimes I want the word to come down harder on things than what it does. Sometimes I want it to be lighter on things than it is. But I have to, not just me, but everyone who teaches, including you, what I have to do is teach the word of God with what the word of God says. Not with what I want it to say, but what the word of God says. Now here's the thing, and when we start thinking about teachers, if you think about preachers, and if you think about elders, and you think about Bible class teachers, yeah, you folks, you really need to think about this. Here's the problem, though. We all teach. Every one of us. If you are a parent, you are teaching. If you have ever called yourself in any way a mentor to anyone, or, or have other people looking up to you, you are a teacher, and what you say is very important. The way you live your life is very important. I remember a time, and, and, and this isn't just about me, this could be about anyone, but this particular story, I was gone to college, and I came home, and I remember a, uh, a mom saying, wow, my son wrote an interesting paper the other day for school, and I said, oh, really, what was it about? She said, about you, because he had to write a story about someone he respected. Wow, I was scared to death, because I didn't know he was watching me. It's that idea that people are watching us we don't even know. So whether it's people in our neighborhood, people in our community, wherever we are, it's important that the things we say, the way we act, there is no place to be off as far as our faith goes. When it comes to faith, we are to be on in faith everywhere we are. Now, obviously, my situation is a little bit different because I'm a preacher and People know that. They know that I work in a church. And in my neighborhood, I hear it all the time. I'll, I will meet someone and we'll say, you know, I'm a minister, whatever. They'll go, I know that. They already know. Because word gets around. And then I think, wow, it's a good thing I haven't, haven't put something odd in my yard, right? Because word gets around. It gets around about all of us. So it's important what we do and how we live our lives. So why is speech 
so important to others? Well, it's because the audience is shaped by it. The audience is shaped by what we say. And so when we think about this as far as my role goes, you think about a Sunday night crowd. You are shaped by what the preacher says and, and what he doesn't say. Not just Sunday night, but on Sunday morning. You're shaped by those things. And if you hear a person preach week after week after week after week, either you are shaped if you like them in some way and they communicate in a, good, in a, in a fairly decent way, you are shaped by what they say. Or you are shaped by what they say because you don't agree with them and you take the other side. It can be either way. And so it's not just an audience for those of us who stand up and preach. It may be that you have an audience of one. It may be that you have a child that is your audience. It may be you have a spouse that's your audience. It may be people at work, people in your neighborhood, people you hang out with. Any of those people can be that audience. We are impacting them by the way we live our lives, by what we say with our mouths and by what we say with our actions. So if the speaker, for example, leaves doubts, the audience will have doubts. If we leave doubts with our children, you better believe our children will have doubts. If I leave doubts with you, you will have doubts. Back when I first went to college and I went to this... Uh, to a, to a specific congregation and went on Sunday morning and, and there were probably 250 college students in this congregation and we'd go. It was a little bit of a drive, but, but it was a lot of fun to go there and they got this teacher to teach us we were all excited about. And his class every week was about putting doubt in our heads. I mean, it didn't matter the subject. He was going to leave with doubts. His belief was he was going to make you fight for your faith. And I mean everything. By the end of that semester, where they had 250 kids, when we started, there were probably 20 kids left. And I was not one of them. Because we shouldn't be putting doubts in people's heads. We preach about what we know. We teach about what we know. We always come back to the, we don't lie. But yet at the same time, we should be preaching about, about what we know about Jesus. And if the teacher motivates the audience will be inspired. My goal is to inspire you to live a life more like Jesus. My goal is for you to study the Bible more. You might say, well, I don't need you. Well, that's okay. I understand that too. Some of you are way past me. But in general, that's my goal. Our goal for our children should be to motivate them to know Jesus and want to know Jesus more. Our goal for our spouses, for people in our community, wherever it is, for them to want to know Christ, to want to know him crucified, to want to know him risen, and to come to a relationship with him. So part of what I do as a teacher is not just, just divulge information, but it's to inspire to know, G to know Jesus more than before. So he gave these examples of these three things, right? The bits, the rudder, and the fire. These were three common examples that were put together in ancient history. This was not just something that James thought of. Let me think of three things. No, these were three pretty common things in, in literature of the first century. But you can understand why. They all go along with the time period, don't they? You would need a fire. You would need a rudder on your boat. And, of course, you would need your horse would need a bit in, in the mouth. 
And the power of those little things is out of proportion with their size. I haven't spent a lot of time in a boat, but I've spent a little bit. And isn't it amazing how you can take that rudder and move it just a little bit, and you can, you can turn that, that boat one way or the other. I remember when I was a little boy, and I would get over on the, behind the, driver, the, the steering wheel in the car. We weren't going anywhere. I was just playing in the car. And you know what I would do? I would do this, right? This is how I would drive. You know what would happen if you were to drive that way on the highway? Right. You would be arrested if you didn't hit something first, right? Just a little bit changes everything. I remember being frustrated because I wanted, I wanted to have more movement. Something more exciting than just doing this. But this is how you keep the car on the road. You see, all of these things are so small, but yet they can change things so much. I want you to see the rest of this in James chapter 3 and verses 7 through 12. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Wow. I don't know why, obviously, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what James had been thinking about, but he was really upset about the tongue, wasn't he? He's saying, this, you're going to get yourself in trouble. I'm wondering if he knew what was happening in the first century. If there were Christians, by the way they treated each other, with the things they said toward each other, were false teachers, what they were teaching is going, you are messing things up for yourself as well as for other people. Your tongue is, is wild. And the tongue certainly can be used for good or evil. Without a doubt, it can be used for good things. It can be used for evil things. So sometimes we use it to bless people, and sometimes we use it to hurt people. Sometimes we're able to, to say good things, and sometimes we use it to say things that aren't just negative, but things that are used, that are intended to hurt other people. The tongue somehow doesn't get tamed. Just when you think you have it under control, something crazy blows up, right? So we struggle with this. Some of us may struggle with our language, and some of us may struggle with our criticism or whatever it is. All these things we all deal with. When he says it can't be, it can't be tamed, he's talking about everybody. He's not talking about just young Christians or people who aren't Christians. He is talking about the whole world struggles with this. Show that next slide very quickly. Oh, it's just a fire. <laughs> I thought there was more to it. I thought I had some words there. I'm sorry. So you think about a fire and how a fire is good, used for good or bad, right? You think about a fire. You can use a fire to be helpful, and you can use a fire to burn down the world, right? So you think about a fire you have out in the forest, and there you've made your little campfire, and you've 
and you roast your hot dogs and you roast your marshmallows and you have this wonderful little meal going there. And if you don't put it out, you know what happens, right? It can burn down thousands and thousands and thousands of acres. What started out so good and so pure and so wonderful can end up being something that is devastating. Have you ever been there in a conversation? Oh, it starts out so happy and sweet. Oh, I like what you're wearing today. Isn't that nice? And I don't have any idea why you picked that out, but it's really nice, right? You know those words? You say one thing, you say something else. I'll never forget a guy years ago who said to me after a sermon, he comes up, he shakes my hand. This was not here, I want you to know that. And he just says, wow, that was a great sermon. Thank you very much. But, you know, I wouldn't have used any of that stuff you said because I didn't think it made any sense. But, boy, that was a really good sermon. I thought, he is shaking my hand and stabbing me at the same time, right? We've all done things maybe a little bit like that before. A fire gets out of, out of control if we don't watch it and keep it in control. It's good in and of itself, but then it becomes something terrible. We must take every effort to be what he calls fresh water. Like fresh water. Isn't there something really good about water? You know, there are times that, that I, I, don't, I don't drink alcohol, but I drink Coke Zero. And boy, I like it. But let me tell you, every single day, I need water. I need to drink water. I want water. And I go, wow, that was good. That idea that everybody needs something fresh, what's good for the body, is not all those other things we drink. It's water. And so he says, you need to be like a spring. As far as your faith go, you be one that sometimes as a spring, you are saying things where people need to change or live differently that need to be called to a change. But yet at the same time, you're also building up other people and pushing them toward what is right. It's about fresh water. You are to be that kind of person. So here's my question for us tonight. What is my challenge? What's my challenge? Because every one of us struggle with something, and probably sometimes all of us struggle with our tongue. Sometimes we have folks who struggle with their tongue because they say things that are hurtful. And sometimes we have people who get hurt who don't speak up, and their tongue stays silent. You see, we need to tame our tongue, use our tongue, but tame our tongue. Our language is important, the way we treat each other. One of the things you see kind of as the theme that runs through the letters of Paul and through Peter of persecuted Christians is about the importance of the way they treat each other and how they get along. Because no one is going to be drawn to Jesus if those that call themselves Jesus' Jesus's people are in a fight. What brings people together is finding a place where people love each other, respect each other, and are all helping each other go toward Jesus. This morning, tonight, if you need prayers, or if you need to be baptized into Christ, come as we stand and sing.